Good morning. Isn't this a beautiful day? Awesome. And I would like to say to all of you who were able to uh, pitch in and help us out last week in the uh, Apple Harvest uh, Parade, thank you. That was awesome. We had a great time. Let the light of God shine, you know, through thousands of people who came out to the parade. So thank you so much if you're able to uh, help us out. And all of you guys who weren't necessarily in the parade or the float, you're on the sidelines cheering us along. Thank you. It, it, it made a difference. Um, well, we started last week talking about magnificent obsession and I want to really continue along that line. And really what that has to do with, has to do with worship, to be honest with you. Um, so let me start in Psalms 27, verse 4. It says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, just one, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the Thing I seek most. Now, think about it. If God was to give you one request, what would you ask for? Just think about it. Don't tell me, but just think about it for a moment, you know? The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most. Now, I was thinking about this, and, and I remembered a movie that I had seen many years ago. And uh, so far, I don't think one or two other people have even seen a movie. So I don't know what's going to happen in here, but have you ever seen a movie? It was titled, I believe this was the title, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Anybody seen it? Yeah. Okay. Does that mean we're really, really, really old? You know, or something? I don't know. But anyhow, I didn't really remember too much about it other than you know, and I was asking Susan, she didn't remember too much, but I do remember this part. In the movie, part of the theme behind the whole movie was that Mrs. Harris, she wanted, most of all in her life, she wanted to own a Dior dress, whatever that is. But it was thousands of dollars this dress cost. Does that bring back a memory to anybody? Yeah. Are you scratching your head or raising your hand? I can't tell there. Okay. Okay. Nobody's seen it. Good. It really wasn't that very important of a movie, you know? But the fact was, her life revolved around wanting to own this particular kind of a dress that cost thousands of dollars. That was her goal in life, you know? Pretty shallow goal, I think, to be honest with you. But it says in Psalms 27, it says, The one thing, the psalmist said, I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house. And, and that means in the presence of the Lord. All the days of what? Of, it's not just talking about when I die and go to heaven. But to live in the presence of God now here on this planet all the days of my life. And surely, and of course, to live in his presence as we're in heaven with him forever. But he says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house, the presence of the Lord, all the days of my life, 
delighting, taking joy, taking pleasure in the Lord's perfections and, and, and the beauty of God and, and all of his provisions and blessings, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. He is my magnificent, um, wonderful obsession. And this is what the psalmist is declaring. You know, his, his magnificent obsession, the only thing he really wants is to live in the presence of Almighty God. That's what he's saying here. And then he says in verse 5, he says, For he, for he will conceal me. There, where? In his presence. He will conceal me there when troubles come. You ever have trouble? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Well, if you haven't had trouble, just wait a little while, okay? You know? <laughs> and he says that, for he will conceal me there in his presence when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. And that's not really talking about a church. We're talking about a sanctuary. But you've heard of a wildlife sanctuary or a bird sanctuary. It's a place of refuge. You can't mess with the animals in that area. But it says he will he'll conceal us. He'll conceal me there in his presence. When trouble comes, he'll hide me in his sanctuary and he will place me out of reach on a rock. He's going to... Place me out of reach of those little yuppie, nippy little demonic things that try to frustrate us and discourage us and impart fear to us and worry and anxiety. It says that he will lift us up, put us out of their reach on a rock. I can actually, I can visualize that as I'm reading that, you know? Pretty powerful statement when you think about it. Hmm. He will hide me in his sanctuary. Conceal me, you know, when trouble comes, but then hide me in his sanctuary and he will place me out of reach on a rock. Think about that. You, you remember Daniel <clears throat> in the Old Testament? Daniel was really a slave originally. He was captured. His family was most likely annihilated. He was brought into this region because he showed promise. He, he looked, uh, you know, the kind of guy who could really learn, which he did, and he became whole, part of their whole political system there. He was a leader who had a history of, uh, and was known to be a man of wisdom, great wisdom. But everybody was jealous of him because of that. So they tricked the king of, of that day. Oh, king, you're so wonderful. You're so awesome. You know, you should make a law that nobody in this kingdom, you know, upon penalty of being killed can request or petition any other god or anything other than you for a whole month. Now, in that land, the rule was once you made a law, once a king made a law, it was irrevocable even by him. and You couldn't change it. And they were so jealous that they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day. So they tried to get him on that. And what happened was, you know, the king could not even rescue Daniel, who was his friend. But because as soon as uh, the law was signed, Daniel prayed three times a day, just like he always did. 
And what happened is they took him and they threw him into a lion's den. And the king was so miserable at what he had to do because of this law that he had decreed. Anyhow, the next morning he was there early. As they lifted this great big stone, there was like a hole in the ground, a big room that had a hole on the top with a slab on it. And uh, it went down and then opened this big room with all these lions down there. And the king came in and he said, Daniel, was your God able to save you? He says, have no worries, king. I'm fine. And I can only imagine. Because he told the king, he says, the, the Lord has sent his angels and clamped those lions' jaws. And I imagine he probably used a lion as a pillow that night as he slept in that place, you know. And uh, anyhow, they pulled Daniel up out. See, he was concealed in his time of trouble. He was hidden in God's sanctuary in the presence of Almighty God. Although there were hungry lions all around him, you know, God took care of him. And when the king got him out, the men who had tricked him, he had those men thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible even says these lions leaped up off of the ground when they threw these bad guys in and they killed the bad guys before they even hit the ground. Showed you how hungry they were. But they did not touch Daniel. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? A similar situation happened. The king had made this wonderful, in his eyes he thought it was a wonderful, statue of gold and at a certain time, he had everybody out there in this big open place, and, and they were playing music, and he said, at the time you hear this music, everybody must fall down and worship this golden image. Thousands of people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they believed in the true, the one and only God. They were like Daniel. They had been brought in from another nation after their parents had been killed. And they were schooled and trained to be leaders of the nation there. And you know, when thousands of people are all kneeling down, you stick out quite obviously. You know, you can't really hide in a situation like that. And, uh, you know, the king of the nation said, okay, maybe you just misunderstand what we we're saying. We're going to give you another chance at this. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, sir, we don't need any time to think about this. We have already made our decision, and we will not fall down and worship a statue, an image of gold. So what they were doing is they are going to kill all the people who wouldn't honor that in a furnace, a fiery furnace. So the king's anger, you know, rose up, and he had them heat the furnace. It's probably like a big open-sided thing where everybody could see in it, and they had them heat it up seven times hotter than it was. Then they, they put coats and all, and then they, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they tied them up with ropes. And then the uh, uh, soldiers who had taken Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them into the furnace, the Bible says they were struck dead because of the heat. It was so hot in that furnace. They got too close to pushing these guys into fire. And the king and everybody's watching from a, a distance. They could see down into this fiery hole and... Uh, the king says, didn't we just throw three men, one, two, Shadrach, Meshach, didn't we throw three men in there bound? I see four men in there walking around. And then they 
said, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, would y'all please come back out of that furnace? Because ain't nobody going in there to get them, you know. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did come out. And the only thing that burned was the ropes that had tied them up, burn off of them. But it says in the scriptures, not even the smell of smoke was upon them. I'm telling you, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood God being our magnificent obsession. When you're just caught up with him, and the only thing you want is to live in his presence, he conceals you in your time of trouble. He hides you in his sanctuary, and he puts you up on a, a high rock out of harm's way. I am telling you, it's the best thing we got going for us, and that has become passionate about our relationship with the almighty God. Listen to what it says here in uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. It says, you must worship no other gods. And you know, you can make anything a god. Anything that you give all your time, attention, and resources to becomes your god. The most important thing becomes your god. And he says, you must worship no other gods, but only the Lord. For he is a God who is passionate. He's obsessive about his relationship with you. Other translations will tell us here where it says that God is passionate about his relationship with you, that he is jealous for you, as you would be for your own loved ones, your own spouse. You're jealous. You want to maintain that relationship. You don't want somebody coming in between you, you know. And it says... You must worship no other gods but only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. And you know, in, in the uh, book of Exodus, it tells us as Moses was leading the Israelites out of the bondage of the slavery of Egypt, God's trying to communicate and speak to his people, about three million of them. And all of the, the people who had been in slavery, they said, Moses, you talk to God. And they continued to back away, back away, back away a long distance. They were afraid of God. Moses, you talk to him and you tell us what he said. Now, I tell you what, that don't satisfy me. I think I want, I know I do, I want a more intimate, a close relationship with the almighty God himself. Not just somebody stands in the gap and tells me every once in a while what God has to say when you and I can get to know him in a personal way. It says here in Psalms 37, take delight in the Lord. Enjoy him. And he will give you your heart's desires. Uh, let me grab some. When I go up on the mountain to pray for you guys and I go up there to make these uh, mountain talks. Anybody ever seen the mountain talks I put together? Awesome. This is what I take with me. It's my walking stick, but it's also a tripod. And what it does is it's really designed to shoot off of. And it has this other thing there. And you, you pull this thing apart. And uh, here's some stairs over here so I can show you what it's like. And... Uh, so I can be on the side of a mountain just like this. I just open this thing up like that, 
and I pull the trigger, and what it does is the legs go down that quickly. And I put my phone in there, and turn on the camera when I do a mountain talk, and I'll sit there on a rock somewhere, and I'll talk to the thing. You know, so it's pretty, pretty amazing. Whoops. But you see, it's really quick, that trigger thing's there. I don't know why they don't do that for real cameras. This is actually set up for a gun or for a crossbow or something like that, you know. But anyhow, I was up on the mountain, oh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I put together a little mountain talk. I spent a few hours praying for you guys and all, and then I, you know, was ready to come home. It was in the middle of the night, probably around 12, 31 o'clock or so. And I was coming back down. I, I was up on the cliff over here, and I went around, kind of took a little bit longer route around here through all this rip-rack, rocky stuff and leaves and, and everything, you know. And I came down, and I was almost back down to the house, you know. This is a, a, a long trip this way. And there's this little nut, this little bolt right here that holds this thing together so I can open it and put my, my phone in there, you know, and all. But... When I got almost back down to the house, this thing just fell off onto the ground. And I'm going, oh, no. So I looked all around everywhere, and I've got flashlights. I've got a nice little headlamp and then another flashlight I hold in my hand, the one I usually bring here, and, uh, and I always get extra batteries. So I'm looking all over the place, under the leaves, around these rocks. There's just thousands of rocks up there, you know? And I'm thinking, I'll just come back tomorrow, you know? in the daytime and see if I can find it, I'll backtrack. But then I'm thinking, uh, you know what? I might as well just do it right now, you know? So I did. So I, I backtracked. I walked all the way back up around there. You know, there's rocks and leaves. I'm having to move everyone. I'm looking and looking and looking and looking. Then I round this little corner. I get up on the tip top, and I'm walking around out there on the, the edge of the cliff where I uh, uh, sit to pray. And uh, I could not find it anywhere. So I came on back home and all. And then I went down to uh, a store and I looked all around. I couldn't find the same one that I had. So this is a, a new one. This is a little cheaper one. It don't have all the bells and whistles that the other one had for turning it and twisting it around and all that. I mean, it works okay, but it's not as good as the other one that I had. So anyhow, this past Thursday night, as I was up there making another mountain talk, uh, and uh, I just was praying, and it was just an awesome time. I don't know if, if you saw that one, uh, the, uh, the mountain talk I made up there. It was uh, where I was talking about the slave, on the slave block and all, and, and everything. And uh, anyhow, once I got done with the mountain talks and praying, I prayed for all you guys, you know, for God's blessing. I prayed for our nation. We've gone through some pretty, uh, you know, difficult times in our politicians and senators and whatever they are, you know, out there. <laughs> but they needed some prayer, that's for sure. And uh, then I prayed for what's going on here and all. And then I got up off the rock and I, I put my tripod, you know, I just, you know, get the bottom of it and you just pull this little thing around the bottom and you snap it together and then you decide how tall you are today and then you turn loose that trigger. And walking on the side of the mountain, sometimes you've got to do this, or sometimes you've got to do this if this is going uphill from here. It's a real nice little tripod. It's my walking stick as well. But um, I came off of the, the big rock there into an open spot. It's right on the top of the mountain. 
there's some little short trees, you know, probably, you know, 15 foot tall or something like that. And I'm, it's just like, as I'm coming back down, it's like, and I'm, I'm usually very keenly conscious and aware of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, that kind of stuff, you know? But it's like, I wasn't. It's just like, there was something different that I, 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 I normally don't experience. Now, I know that God's with me all the time, but I became keenly aware that God was in this place. I mean, it, it, it impacted me. This is 1 o'clock in the morning, okay? And it's just like, so I just... I wasn't praying no more. I wasn't asking God for anything at all. I just began to worship him. And it was just absolutely amazing. And I just just was loving God and just spending time with God. It was fantastic. And if you've never experienced that, words fail to describe what I was experiencing in the presence of Almighty God. It was just fantastic. It was just wonderful. It's just loving God, and, and I knew I was safe. I knew I was protected. I knew God's blessings was on all of us here. And, and, and I'm just walking around just loving God and hanging out with God. And like I say, it's better to experience it than to try to explain it. And I stayed for a good little while longer, and then I was just, you know, I just kind of was bending over there just, just loving God, and, and I opened my eyes as I'm looking down, and... As I opened my eyes, right down in front of me was this little bitty bolt that I had lost weeks earlier. And there's more leaves on the ground now than there were. And uh, I'm just looking at it going, wow, this is awesome. And as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, is that what I think it is? And I picked it up and then standing right there, I didn't go anywhere. I'm looking just all around. It's just awesome. And I'm with a flashlight, okay? And just illuminating what's around me. It's awesome. And about from here to the drum, I see it. There's the other piece of it. It's like, that was what I needed. And, and I couldn't buy that piece. I had to buy this other thing instead. And she's like, that is amazing. I'm in 1 o'clock at night. You know, it's dark up there. I don't care. I'm not looking for it. I'm just hanging out with God. But you know something? It caused me to understand that it, he is awesome. He is awesome. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. The reason I was up there, and, and you know I am somewhat of a survivalist, and I love to live off the land, and and, and stuff like that, but not in a long time. I'm not up there trying to just survive in a wilderness setting. I'm not hunting. I'm not fishing. I'm not camping. I'm up there to hang out with God, to pray for you, you know, and, and to make a little video, you know, mountain talks, to hopefully it be an encouragement to other people. That's all it was about. And the scripture says, take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. And I'm thinking, if God, in his infinite wisdom, at 1 o'clock in the middle of the night, after I'd already searched and searched and searched, and now more leaves are on the ground than ever, and I'm there just hanging out with God, loving God, and I just look down, and there it is, and look way over there, you know, 15 feet away from me, and I see this shiny thing under the edge of a leaf, and it's like, if God cares enough about me to provide that, because I could go and buy a brand new piece, you know what I'm saying? 
like the one I had before. It was like $56 or something like that. I'd go buy another one. It wasn't the end of the world if I didn't find it. But if God cares about little things in our life, you think he cares about the big things? Absolutely. And I am telling you that God is crazy about you. And he loves us. And he says if we take delight in him, we're just loving him. He says he'll give us our heart's desires. That's the quickest way to succeed in anything you want to succeed in in life. Put God first. What's he tell us? If you'll seek first God, first God in his kingdom, all these other things shall be added unto you. They come looking for you. You don't have to go looking for them. It's just absolutely amazing. It really is. He is my magnificent obsession, and it changes your world when he becomes that. Now, we do need God. Every one of us does in every area of our life, you know. But there's sometimes that we're uncomfortable in his presence. But I want to tell you often why we find ourselves uncomfortable in his presence. It's because sin in our life. And what we just need to do, First John 1, 9 tells us, if we'll confess our sins to God and say, Lord, yes, I did this, I am so sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. He forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then you love being in his presence because there's no guilt, there's no shame, and just hanging out with God is awesome. When we don't feel comfortable going to church or hanging around other Christians or reading the Bible or hearing worship songs, you got a heart issue, you know. We just got to get that right by confessing our sins to God. He is delighted to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep away, what's the next word? From, from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Whatever would take God's place in your heart is what we would call an idol. And an idol can be a statue, it can be money, it can be anything that takes God's place. Anything in your life that is more important to you than God. Well, God, if I got any time, I'll give you some of my time. If I got anything left over, I'll give you that, God. No, stay away. Keep away from anything, as the scripture says, that might take God's place in your hearts. And an idol is anything, anything, anything that comes between you and God. And he says, keep away from such things as that. Now, there was a, another movie I watched, you know, years ago. And I'm curious if, if any of you here watched it. It was called Lord of the Rings. Anybody see that movie? A few of you? I see some of you raising your hand and some of you going like, I don't want anybody to know I watched that movie, you know, whatever. <laughs> but there was this creature in this movie. He was kind of a creepy creature and he bit the heads off a of fish and ate them raw and just had a little loincloth on him and he was really creepy. Y'all remember what his name was? Gollum. Gollum. More people said Gollum than raised their hands a while ago. So I know there's more of you. <laughs> Watch it, you know. And do you remember 
he had been the owner of the ring for a period of time. And then he dropped it somehow and lost it. And the rest of his life is trying to regain that ring that, that promises everything that you ever want. And do you remember what he called it? Not precious, but my precious. <laughs> That's what he called it. And anything that comes between you and God becomes an obsession of your precious. But I can tell you, the owner of that ring is in really harm's way. And some of the other people in the movie, when they would you know, get a hold of it or something at some point in time, it gave the bad guys, the destroyers, insight to how to get to them, to get it back, and surely to take your life. So is there something in your life that has become so precious? And God's not number one anymore. Think about that for just a little bit. There was a man and a wife, his wife, and, and they dined with a very wealthy man from a blue blood Boston family. And they asked him, how in the world did you grow up in the midst of such great wealth and not be consumed by materialism? And his answer was, well, my parents taught us that everything in our home was either an idol or a tool. Think about that for a moment. With all of your possessions, whatever they may be, is there some of your possessions that have become precious? Or are they a tool to help you fulfill what God has called you to do? To shine his light in this world in which we live. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. This guy had learned at a young age, every possession I have is either an idol or it is a tool. Think about what you own. Is it a tool? If not, then it has become an idol and it does not do us well. It genuinely doesn't. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse uh, 28. Well, here, let me read you something from A.W. Tozer first. A.W. Tozer said, When I am anxious to see in, Christ see in Christian believers, what I am anxious to see in Christian believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see in them the joy of finding God while at the same time they are blessedly pursuing God. I want to see in them the great joy of having God yet always wanting more of Him. You want more of God in your life? Are you happy? You got enough of God? No, just like $3 worth of God, please, you know. <laughs> Think about it. Well, anyhow, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28, it says, For in him we live and move. And in the King James Bible, it says, and have our being. Here it says, in him we live and move and we exist. That's what he's saying. And I said, well, what does that exactly mean? It's the same as saying a fish would say, in the water I live. You take me out of the water, I don't live very long. 
but in the water I live, and a fish in the water can move, and he can move fast. And, and he can fight against that fisherman who's trying to take him home for dinner. He can fight better in the water. When you get him out of the water, he can't fight no well. You know, I mean, it's over with. So a fish can, in the water, in, in the water he can live and, and move and, and exist and have his being. As you and I, when we're in relationship with Christ, we can live and, and move and exist and have our being and knowing that he will conceal us in our time of trouble and he'll hide us in his sanctuary and he'll put us high up on a rock, you know, out of harm's way. And he'll take care of us. And it's the safest place in the whole wide world to be in the presence of the almighty God. And it says, for in him we live and, and move and we exist. And as one of your own poets says, we are his offspring. Oh, we call him Father, our heavenly Father. And the Bible says you and I were created in the image of God. Now, there's a lot of people who make gods. They genuinely attempt to do that. They'll carve a stump, you know, and they'll make a statue and call it God. The Bible says you and I were created in his image. God created us in his image. God has two eyes and, and two ears and a nose and a mouth. We were created very, very much like him. You know, God is not a statue. So though somebody can make a statue and declare it's a God, it is not. Because you and I were created in his image. If you want to get a glimpse of what God looks like, you look at humanity. Because we were created like father, like son, like father, like daughter. The truth of that. Listen to what it says here. <clears throat> Verse 29, it says, And since this is true, that we are like his offspring, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold, silver, or stone. Not at all. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 18. To whom can you compare God? Can you compare God to a stump out in the forest somewhere? You know, nice big old stump, you know. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Is there an animal that resembles God or, or, or maybe a bank account or maybe a car that resembles God that has become a God to you or, you know, he says, to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold? You know what a mold is, you know? And, and, and you, you have this mold that you made out of sand or you, made, you carved it out of wood and then you poured maybe gold. You heat it up into a liquid and you pour gold in there and you made this little statue from a mold and all. Is that what God's like? And he says here, can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold decorated with silver chains? And he says, or if people are, are too poor, they don't really have enough money to have themselves a golden God made or a silver one. 
he says, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if you hired a craftsman to sculpture and carve you out a god of wood? And Lord have mercy, one day you weren't paying attention, some termites or carpenter ants took a piece of your god and ran off with him? Say, Pastor Ron, are you making fun of statues and things? Absolutely I am. Yes, indeed. Because that, I don't care if it's made out of gold or if it's made out of wood, wood that don't even rot. That ain't nothing like God. Now, you might come in here and say, Pastor Ron, I got married. And you bring a little statue out of a box there and say, this is my wife. Pretty absurd, is it not? I don't care if it's made out of gold or wood. That's your spouse? Well, that's not what our God is like either. He is alive. He is the Almighty. He is the Most High, and He is crazy in love with you. That's the truth of it. And He cares about you. He is passionate about His relationship with you. The Almighty God is. Well, let me read verse 20 and finish that up. It says, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay. Yeah, when you're making your gods, make sure you use wood. You know, what's that kind of pressure-treated wood, you know? It won't decay too quickly. And a skilled craftsman. You got a skilled craftsman to make your god to carve an image that won't fall down. And once you get your little statue, your little monument you're going to pray to, you know, borrow someone's drill, put some screws in the base so it don't fall over. And you probably should put some ant traps around it too so them carpenter ants don't get a piece of your God and run off with it. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Well, I can tell you what, God did not inspire us to make a statue and worship it. He's crazy about us. He is alive. And you're created in his very image. And it says in Romans 1.25, it says, Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshipped the things God made, like trees and stuff, but not the creator himself, who is to be praised forever. And there is a temptation, and there are people who genuinely worship great big old giant oak trees in the woods. They worship these magnificent redwood trees, they worship them. They're so old and they think they're wise and they're like godlike. But they're not. You and I are created in the image of God, you see. That's what God's like. And He is alive. He has the capacity to love us. He's crazy about us. Psalms 100 in verse 1, and this is in a different translation than we read last week, but it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, O earth. Worship the Lord with sadness and come before him with screaming. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, it says worship the Lord with gladness. That's different, isn't it? Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. See, the question isn't do you have a voice? 
The question is, do you have a song? Do you have a song to worship God with? Whether it's a song of your own making or a song that you've learned that you, you love and you can worship God. It's a great expression of your heart. See, worship is my, my heart responding to God's heart. Love, responding to love, you see. He goes on to say in verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Acknowledge him that he is God. In Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Acknowledge him. Uh, not going up to, you know, some, in and out, Oh, you are my God. Oh, oh don't fall down. Okay. Are you all right? You need me to put you in the sun? Are you cold, you know? No, acknowledge God. He is real and he is alive. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. A.W. Tozer said, at the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into a conscious awareness of his presence. Do we push in to the awareness of his presence? There is so much that would try to distract us from God. That would try to take God's place in our life. So much. He goes on to say here in verse 3, Psalms 100, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. And we are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. And then it says, Enter His gates, number one, with thanksgiving. And go into his courts, that's number two, with praise. And give thanks to him and, and bless his name. See, in, in the tabernacle, there was a gate. The, and, and, and people would enter the gates. This is what they would do as they were coming. They would enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is a giving of thanks. And they would enter into the, 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 the courts with praise. It's all uh, wrapped around blessings and all. But there was a, another really deep place in the tabernacle that just the high priest would go once in a great while, and it was called the Holy of Holies. And see, that was a different kind of a place the Holy of Holies was. That's where you met God. See, prayer is the occupation of our heart with our needs. And, and ain't nothing wrong with that. You have needs, and he wants us to go and talk to him about them. But prayer is the occupation of our heart with its needs. See, praise is the occupation of our heart with the blessings of Almighty God. But see, worship is the occupation of our heart with God himself. With God himself. It's no longer asking about things. There's a time for that. It's no longer wrapped up in his blessings, but it's just like loving God, hanging out with God. You know, guys can sometimes, not they have to, but guys can get together and watch a ball game or they can go to fishing together and they can sit there and not say more than a, a dozen words all day. And at the end of the day, boy, we had a great time. We, that was awesome, wasn't it? Is it possible just to enjoy someone's company? It's very possible. You chat a little bit maybe, but just being together is like with your buddies or a father and a son or a daughter. It's just, it's just awesome spending that time together. And that's kind of more like what worship is. Worship is not, you know, focusing on the needs. It's not even thanking God and focusing on blessings. But worship is just focusing on 
on God himself. I was like, oh, wow. God's just hanging out with me. This is awesome. Look at the sunset. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You know where my little nut and my bolt was at. <laughs> That's fantastic. You are something cool. I'm just, just hanging out with God. It's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, one day, the telephone rang in the pastor's office of the Washington church attended by the president. An eager voice said, tell me, do you expect the president to be there this Sunday? That I cannot promise, the pastor said patiently, but we do expect God to be here, and we fancy it will be incentive enough for the, a reasonable large attendance. See, there's always the danger of becoming more occupied with the visible, you know, than the invisible. There's always a danger of becoming more occupied with the temporal than with the eternal. There's a danger of becoming more occupied with the outward than with the inward, becoming occupied with the formalities than the spiritual. There's always a danger of becoming more occupied with ceremony other than reality. And see, God wants us just to be occupied with him himself, just to love him, not to go through some kind of rituals or routines or saying, you know, prayers out of a book. How many of you communicate with your spouse that way? You come home from work and you go, uh, oh, thou most wonderful woman, it is nice to have you here today. What's for supper? Your relationship wouldn't do very well if you just parroted a bunch of words out of a book. But your heart responds to your spouse and you love them and, and, and you like spending time together and you communicate and there's times when you just sit there and maybe watch a movie or watch a sunset together just soaking it in, right? That's more like what worship is, is all about. Well, I'd like us to listen to a song and please sing. It's just a short song, I think. Uh, and listen to it and then I'm going to read you a verse and I'll let you go. But listen to this song. Sing along with me if you can.
love, more power, more of you in my life. Listen to what this verse says. Philippians 3.10, it just says, the apostle says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly and that I may in that same way by getting to know him better and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. You want the power of God that changes things in your life? Get to know God better. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness. As we get to know God, we'll get to know the power of his resurrection. You got to understand something. That resurrection power is the greatest power that you'll ever experience. When all the demons in hell tried to keep Jesus in the grave, and we hadn't seen too many people come back alive after they died. The resurrection power that kicked off all the demons and devils that was trying to hold him in the grave. And Jesus rose from the dead. And that resurrection power is available to you now, not when you just die and go to heaven. You can access his power. And he promises to conceal you in your times of trouble. He promises to hide you in his sanctuary. And he promises to put you up on a high rock <laughs> out of harm's way. And he says, as you get to know him, you'll get to know the power of his resurrection. Hang out with God. Get to know God. Spend time with God. You want to find out more about him and hear what he's saying to you? You'll hear it right here in his word. And it will change us. I'm talking about when God becomes our magnificent obsession. And if he doesn't, we'll be pursuing precious. <laughs> and that will leave you empty and hollow and hurt. It really will. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I ask your blessings upon these men and women in this room. And Father, we access by the name of Jesus Christ, we access that resurrection power. You said that we can come boldly to your throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help us when we need it most. And Lord, I, I lift up these men who are in this room, those in the cafe, those in the balcony. I lift up all the men who are watching online. And those who will be listening to this are, are seeing it in days to come. I ask you for a miracle in these men's lives. And Lord, I lift up the women and I ask for a miracle in their lives. Wherever they may be right now and as they hear these words, you know their needs, almighty God. And I join my faith with every believer out there and we ask you for a miracle that you would release that resurrection power in every man and every woman every boy in every girl's life 
And Lord, that we will become everything you want us to be. We would access your promises, your inheritance, your blessings that you have poured out upon us. Father, I think that you, you are the provider. You are the shepherd. You are the peace. You are the savior. You are the healer. You're the restorer. And there are many needs here this day, Lord. And I just ask you for a miracle in each and every one's life here who hears this right now. Just release a miracle to us. And may we continually get to know you better. Lord, you're so good. You're awesome. You're wonderful. We love you, Lord. And as our heads are bowed for another moment, those of you who know him, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? And those of you who don't know him or you're not sure if you do or not, would you declare your faith with us together as we pray together right now? Would you pray? Dear Father, I believe that you love me. I believe your plans for me are good and not evil. To give me hope and to give me a future. I believe the best is yet to come for my life. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. He paid for all my sins. And I receive what he did. And I receive a pardon. And I truly am sorry for my sins. I choose this day to strive to live for you in a close relationship. In Jesus' name. Amen.